0: Hey everyone, my name is Josh Scroggins, i Pastor of New Beginnings Family. just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. First Kings 19, 19 through 21. So he departed from there found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, when he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him and he with the 12. Elijah came over to him and threw his cloak on him. Then he left the oxen behind, ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and mother and I will follow you. And he said to him, go back for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him took a pair of oxen, sacrificed them, cooked their meat with the implements of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he got up, followed Elijah, and served him. <clears throat> I'm gonna read one more here, and then I wanna, I wanna talk to you guys a little bit today uh, about uh, about mentorship. We're gonna continue on this, uh, this series of uh, the duplication doctrine. Uh, Second Kings, chapter two, verses nine through 15. When they had crossed over, Elijah and Elisha, or Elijah said to Elisha, Ask me what I should do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And as they were walking along and talking, behold, a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire. It separated the two of them. Then Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. That's a good little bit of a Bible trivia, by the way. It was not the chariot of fire that took Elijah to heaven. It was the whirlwind. The chariot of fire was a distraction. Um, well, anyway, it says, uh, <clears throat> and Elisha was watching it and he was crying out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And he did not see Elijah again. Then he took a hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. He also took up the coat of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the coat of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho opposite him saw him, they said the spirit of Elijah has settled on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed down to the ground before him. Now, in our last uh, podcast, last episode, we talked about the concept of what we call the duplication doctrine. And we talked about being intentional, about working as a team, using the power of relationships to make disciples, to duplicate ourselves, to grow the church. And, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about the local body that you attend, even though I hope you are growing that body. What I'm talking about when I say the church, I'm talking about the body of Christ, the global body of Christ. Um, this uh, the series that, that we're we're kind of doing right now is uh, it's not a series about how to witness to someone, although we will uh, we actually will be talking about that in a few weeks. Um, no, this, this series is about mentorship. It is about the importance of that process and what happens when it is done the right way. <clears throat> and seeing as how the series is called the Duplication Doctrine, it seems fitting that we talk about these two men. In the passage that I, I just read to you, Elijah is asking Elijah, and if you guys, by the way, ever get those guys confused, if you ever wonder, uh, which one's which? It's very easy to get them confused. Their names sound a lot alike. Uh, but if, if you're ever wondering, here's a good way to do this. Uh, of Elisha and Elijah, right? Elijah came first. Look at it alphabetical order. J comes before S. All right, so Elijah came first. Elisha came second. But in, in the passage that I, I just read, um, Elisha, the, the mentee, is asking Elijah, the mentor, for a double portion of his spirit. So it seems like it makes sense to use them for uh, a series called The Duplication Doctrine. So double, right? That, that's our theme. That's, that's what this, uh, this episode and last episode and probably the next couple of episodes are going to be about. And that's, that's what it is. It's about duplication. <clears throat> and what's interesting is that when Elisha went out from that place, he was completely powered with the anointing of elijah and he went on to have his request granted he asked for a double portion of elijah's spirit or anointing and he saw elijah taken up to heaven so did he get double well the answer to that is very simple yes he absolutely Did and one of the easiest ways to to demonstrate that is by looking at the miracles of his mentor Elijah. Now there are um, there's different ways of of grouping these and uh, I'm I'm not going to read all of them. Uh, Matter of fact, I'm I'm not going to really read many of them at all here. Um, But uh, what what you'll find is that as you begin to study the the miracles that are, are attributed to um, Elijah, the mentor, you're going to find that there are a total of 14 of them. And these are, are found throughout the book of First Kings. And into the very beginning of Second Kings, there's 14 of them. It starts with uh, causing the rain to cease, right? He he walks in and and makes a, makes a pronouncement that there will be no more rain for three and a half years, and that is exactly what happens, right? He's fed by ravens. There's this this uh, uh, miracle of the barrel of mead and oil. Um, it, it goes on down to where he's calling fire from heaven uh finally causes it to rain again there's a part where he he parts the jordan river um there's several prophecies that are in there uh, calls fire down to dis, to to kill uh, a, a set of 50 soldiers not once but twice and finally <clears throat> the last miracle of him being on earth was him being caught up to heaven in this whirlwind that we we read about <clears throat> there's a grand total of 14 miracles and prophecies which which fall into the miracle category i would say if you're able to say something is going to happen in the future with certainty and then it comes to pass that's a miracle and so there are a total of 14 miracles that take place in the career of elijah what's interesting is when you take a look at the miracles of elisha There's something very interesting now that it begins with the parting of the Jordan. That's what we just read, right? He takes uh, Elijah's coat. He strikes the water and there is uh, there's the parting of of the water, the parting of the Jordan. He walks across. Um, It goes on to the healing of the waters in 2 Kings 221, the curse of the she bears, um, which I I won't go into, but I'll I'll just say this. the, The English translations of that particular passage, unfortunately, Uh, cause a lot of questions about it i I will say this that what we translated english as children in that particular passage which is second kings 224 it's translated in english as children but it should actually read young men Uh, it's more likely that this this group was about 20 years old um, and and yes they were young but they were not they were not children um, and there was a large number of them um, accosting him, and it was a dangerous situation. Uh, anyway, so, so we, there's these different miracles that are happening. He, he prophesies that the Shunammite woman would have a son, um, down to the, it, it goes on and on, floating of an axe head, um, the healing of Naaman, the miracle of bread, uh, miracle of the gorge. There's this um, uh, deception of the Syrians with the sound of chariots, uh, the prophecy, that the scoffing nobleman will see, but not partake of the abundance, 2 Kings 7, 2. There's, there's a lot of these different things that go on. Well, during the lifetime of Elisha, <clears throat> there are 27 miracles that take place. And then he dies. So, I- Elijah has uh, 14 miracles recorded. Elisha, while he was alive, had 27. And then he died. Um, So you can see it's almost double, but that wasn't quite what he asked for. And uh, what's interesting is that after Elijah had died, something happened. And that is that um, a, a while later, there were some men getting ready to bury a friend of theirs. And some soldiers came by, some raiders came by and they in a panic had to get rid of their friend's body so they opened up the tomb of Elisha and threw the dead man in the tomb and as soon as this dead man hit the bones of Elisha he was raised back to dead or raised back to life from the dead and suddenly this 27 miracles of Elisha becomes 28 which is exactly double that was what he asked for so how is it possible, right? How, how, what was it that gave Elisha the confidence to do this job? What gave him the power to do twice the miracles of Elijah? And, and the fact is, we don't really see much in the way of conversations between these two men. But what we do see is enough to hint at what we don't see. Um, I uh, Originally, when I was looking at these, these two men, I really wanted to... Um, to really just talk a lot about the relationship they had and and pull from conversations and lessons maybe that Elijah was teaching Elisha, but we don't really have those. Uh, There's a very short period of time that they're traveling together. Um, There's not much in in the way of uh, conversations recorded at all um, other than toward the end and like his, uh, I think Elijah's last day, there's a couple of conversations uh, that are recorded, but they're, they're not really in detail in that other than Elijah is telling Elisha to stay behind and Elisha won't do it. And then we have the conversation where Elisha is asking for uh, a double portion. So <clears throat> I, I think that, that when I started looking at this, the uh, information that I wanted to talk about, just it just wasn't there. But what I did find was profound. And I wanna share that with you right now. Um, there's, there's three things that I found from this story that I think we can learn about mentorship. And that's, and that's what I'm gonna share with you. Uh, the first is this, it's, it's Elisha left no option to turn back. And I love that, right? I love that. First Kings 19, 21, it says he he returned from following him, took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them, cooked their meat with the implements of the oxen, gave it to the people and they ate. And then he got up and followed Elijah and served him. Elisha sacrificed his oxen. That's his job, his livelihood, right? He was, he was an essential, uh, in, in essence, he was saying, I'm not going back. I'm not leaving any plan B. There's no backup plan I'm no, there's no alternatives. If this doesn't work out, I leave no other options. Um, I, I am going to follow you, period. It, it's a tremendous value in, in being mentored here. And Elisha was willing to get rid of anything that would keep him from committing fully. And, and, and what we see in that, that passage is that there is this farewell feast for his family and his friends. And it, it, it marked a decisive break from his old life. He would never again be the farmer. He will never be that again. He was marking a decisive break in his life at that moment. And this is something I think every Christian should understand the value of. Not only should we be seeking to mentor someone else, but we should be actively growing under a mentor. You should be learning from at least one person who has something you want to imitate. And I say imitate, I don't say carbon copy. You should not be a copy of them. You should imitate. Copy is 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 not what we should be searching for. You never want to be someone else. But you do want to be mentored. You do want to imitate. You do want to learn. I mean, that's how uh, um that is uh that's that's how we learn I mean if you look at it Joshua was mentored by Moses Moses was mentored by uh, Jethro this this concept of mentorship is extremely important and so what we see here is that the, the, uh, Elisha is being mentored by Elijah and and really this this concept we find throughout the Bible uh, Paul is another one he was mentored by uh, Gamaliel Jesus even when he was a child he sat under the priests at the temple asking them questions. you remember that story where he is he he has is, is lost his parents? Um, leave during uh, this, this big festival and, and uh, they're, they're on their way home and they realize Jesus is not with them and they find him in the, in the temple. What is he doing? He's being mentored. Mentorship is one of the most valuable things that we can have in our lives. And, and I really do mean that. And I think it's something that, that Christians really need to get a better hold of. It, it is how every one of us first learned to do anything from walking to talking. We, we learn by imitating and, and, and mentoring. If you get on a job, how do you learn the job? Well, you shadow someone. Uh, there are trades out there, many, many trades that require thousands of hours of being mentored before you're licensed and, and, and ready and certified to do jobs on your own. The Christian walk, it's just as important. It means you're looking to build relationships with other Christians who are further in the faith than you are or who have special spiritual traits that you want to learn. Maybe, maybe you guys are about the same spiritual age. You've been saved about the same time, but maybe you look at someone and say, I want to learn how to pray like he does. Or I want to learn how to show empathy like she does. I want to learn how to parent like they do or want to learn how to preach like this person or teach like this person or counsel like that person. What what happens is if you have some somebody in your life that you respect that has a a skill or an ability or a gift in, in an area that you are wanting to develop, allow that person to mentor you. Yes, we want to be mentoring others as well, but we must always remain teachable and hungry to learn. We must always allow people the permission to speak into our lives, to offer us correction and guidance, and we must always be seeking to continue to grow. I have several mentors I've learned from over the years, and I still have several now that I keep in contact with regularly so I can continue to learn and grow. And I would encourage you to do the same. So Elisha didn't leave anything to go, to go back to. He, he got rid of the backup thing. He, he fully committed himself uh, to, to being mentored. But here's, here's something else I found in this passage that I think is really important, and it really hints at what the relationship of a Christian mentor or a godly mentor should be. And that is this, Elijah and Elisha's relationship was more than just professional. This was not a professional relationship. Right? We actually said this in the, in the last episode, that discipleship takes place within the context of relationship. And the relationship that these two men had appears, at least, to have been very close. In fact, it seems to have been really similar to Moses and Joshua. Uh, Elijah is like Moses, Elisha is like Joshua, where the mentor is doing everything he can to make sure the person being mentored will go further than he did. And, and and i know you may you may wonder well what is <laughs> what makes you think the relationship was so close when the bible doesn't say anything about it isn't that presumptuous and my answer would be simply this i don't have to see a whole lot to know if two people are close it doesn't take a long time i i can look at a husband and wife and know if they're doing well in a very short time i can look at a father and a son and i can know a lot about their relationship by only a few minutes of observation And in this case, there is one passage of scripture where we see some clues about their relationship. And it is the passage that shows us Elijah's final moment on this earth. It's it's the last day that he is on earth. And this passage tells me all I need to know about their relationship to know that it is far more than just a professional one. Here's what happens. There is there's a group of people called the sons of the prophets. And essentially this was a school of prophets. This was, this was a group of prophets led by Elijah. And uh, Elisha would, would soon replace him as that leader. Well, what happens is during the day, the school of prophets, these guys continue to come to Elisha and tell him, Hey, did you know Elijah is going to be taken from you today? And he says, I don't want to hear it. Be quiet. Leave me alone. He is very frustrated. He seems to want to, he doesn't want to hear it. Why? Because he doesn't want to lose Elijah. He, it's his friend. Elijah and, and him are close. They love each other. They, they, are, they, are, they are friends. They are are, are are more than friends. They have a relationship that, that really hints at a father and son relationship. Really, uh, Elijah is like a father to him. And, and you can tell that it hurts him and he's continuing to tell them, look, I, I know, please don't talk about it. I don't want to hear it. And then Elijah keeps telling Elisha to stay behind. He keeps telling Elisha, stay back here. I'll come back for you later. And uh, Elisha wants nothing to do with that. He just keeps refusing to leave his side. Now, if this was just a professional relationship, Elisha would do what he was told. If Elijah said, stay here, I'll be back later, Elijah would have, Elisha would have stayed. The reason he disobeyed that order from his mentor, from his master, from his, his teacher, from his uh, uh, leader, the reason he disobeyed that was because it was personal. And then finally, Elijah asks him plainly, what do you want me to do for you before I am taken from you? And Elisha asks Elijah for a double portion of his spirit. Now, there is actually a lot here that shows me this is more than just a professional relationship. Again, Elisha would have just obeyed Elijah and stayed behind, but it was personal. This was, this was he didn't leave him because he loved his friend like a father. He didn't want to leave his side. He wanted to have every second with Elijah that he could have. But secondly, and, and most importantly, there's a clue that I think we, we miss out on as a clue, and that is that Elijah, or Elisha asked for a double portion. Uh, my wife, Chelsea, actually brought up to me um, this last week as I was studying this and kind of telling her uh, what I was going to talk about. And she, she brought up this question she'd always wondered about. And it just kind of led me down the rabbit trail. Um, and at the end of this rabbit trail was a powerful truth. And, and here was the question. Why did Elisha ask for a double portion of Elijah's anointing? Because if, if you look at it, it kind of seems arrogant. It kind of seems presumptuous and even self-serving. Why would God honor a request like that? And as I began to study that question, I was I was kind of led down this trail, this little rabbit hole, um, down the hole into this, this really deep truth, um, not just the answer, but the deeper truth that lies under the answer. And, and I want to explain that. So the concept of a double portion was a legal one, right? A double portion was a legal term that dealt with an inheritance. And upon a father's death, his children would receive an inheritance. However, his firstborn son, because I'm one of them, we are the best, uh, (laughs) we would receive, the firstborn son would receive a double portion of whatever else the others got. So Elijah, so far as we know, didn't really have any possessions to his name. He, He doesn't have any children that we know of. Matter of fact, what's interesting is Elijah, we don't even know his heritage. We don't know his ancestry. We don't really know who he came from, who his parents were, who his grandparents were, which is really unusual for for characters in the Bible, for people in the Bible. Uh, Elijah just kind of shows up on the scene. It doesn't seem like he really um, comes from from uh, people that that were worth writing their names down. He doesn't seem to have children. And so Elijah, Elisha would have kind of filled this role. So the request that Elisha gives here hints at the depth of the relationship they actually had. Elisha saw Elijah as his father, or at least a type of father to him. He requested Elijah give him a spiritual inheritance because Elijah doesn't really have physical means to leave him. So he says, I want an inheritance before you're taken from me. I want the inheritance that I would get as your son as your firstborn son. But because you don't have physical means to leave me, I want a spiritual inheritance. And then really as if to put a stamp on it, um, as I was kind of thinking about that that interpretation and, and whether or not, is this right? I, I feel like this is right. I feel like this kind of holds some water. I feel like this is credible. Well, as I was kind of chewing on that interpretation, uh, <clears throat> what i found was just a, a little bit after that elijah's f- elijah's first words after elijah was taken were this my father my father the chariots of israel and its horsemen now i think it's really important for me to point out here that my first thought was I, I, when he said my father you know is he talking about uh, is he talking about god I mean, God's called father a lot, right? So I, I went into the original language. I, I looked it up and come to find out the word translated as father. It's not talking about God. It's talking about a a physical father, an ancestor, forefather. It, it's talking about a physical flesh and blood father. And there's no one else around there, right? They, they, those two, so far as we know, those two kind of gone off by themselves. There's just Elisha and Elijah. So who is he talking to? He's talking to... Elijah, and he's calling him his father. Now, when when Elijah is asking for this double portion, he wasn't asking to be the next prophet. God had already called him to that. He wasn't asking for his ministry to be superior to Elijah's. Elijah's either. What he was asking for is this. He wanted Elijah's spirit to continue to live on through him. And so I, I, I got to thinking about this, and I feel like I want to ask you just, just to think about something for a minute. Who are your spiritual mothers and fathers? Are you allowing their spirit to live on through you? Are you honoring them with what you've done with their teachings and mentoring? Are you passing on what you've learned to others? See, mentorship is not a professional thing. It's a family thing. Spiritual mothers and fathers, spiritual brothers and sisters, spiritual children, mentorship, or I guess I could say discipleship, is about relationship and love. And here's kind of the last the last thing that I, I pulled out of this passage that um, it's interesting because I, i've I've read this story many times. I've studied these two men quite a bit, and for whatever reason, What i'm about to share with you i never saw it it was always right in front of my face it should have been very obvious but for whatever reason i never saw it and here's what it is when elisha finally struck out on his own he took with him his mentor's endorsement let's take a look at this now this is this is uh first kings 1919. this is at the very beginning when when we first see Elisha be called to the ministry by Elijah and it says he departed from there that's talking about Elijah departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphat while he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him and he with the 12 and Elijah came over to him and threw his cloak on him see when Elijah called Elisha to follow him to be trained as his successor He threw his coat over him. This coat was symbolic of Elijah kind of putting his arms around this man, putting him under his wing. It was symbolic of Elijah's confidence in him as the future prophet of Israel. And when you first begin to mentor someone, what you do is you show them that you believe in them. And it's the same way that, that I look at my church. It's the same way that I look at every single person in my church. I see something special in them that I believe in. It's the same way that I, I look at these various uh, ministers around Latin America I do these these Zoom uh, trainings with. And I see such incredible potential in each one of them. And, and the thing is that as you begin mentoring and teaching and training and discipling, Oftentimes, what you're doing is you're instilling in those people confidence. And oftentimes, it's something when we have a mentor do that to us, often it's, times it's something we don't yet see in ourselves. See, Elijah's coat represented more than just the anointing of the office. It represented Elijah's endorsement. And then 2 Kings 2, 13 to 14, right after Elijah has been taken elisha takes up the coat of elijah that had fallen from him and then he goes back to the bank of the jordan takes the coat of elijah that had fallen strikes the waters and says where is the lord the god of elijah and when he had also struck the waters they were divided and elisha crossed over see when elijah was taken to heaven only his coat was left behind now elisha could look at that coat and realize that the thing Elijah saw in him at the beginning had come to pass. See, Elijah's coat represented more than just the anointing of the office. It represented Elijah's endorsement. It was like his mentor was telling him, go get him, you are ready. Elijah did not leave that coat behind, or Elisha didn't leave the coat behind. When he was getting ready to to leave, he could have. He absolutely could have. But Elisha didn't leave the coat behind. He picked it up and took it with him. He held it firmly in his hand. He carried it with him. He performed his first miracle while carrying that coat. He called out to God for the first time as the new prophet of Israel while holding that coat. This is the power of mentorship. It is the things that we instill into people that they will take with them when they step out into their destiny. It is that spiritual coat that is put into their lives that that they carry with them. It's the moment where your child is finally old enough to move out of the house and has to now use all that you have taught them to make a life. It's the first time the person you trained at work sets out on their own to do the work by themselves. It's the person you told about Jesus now praying uh, by themselves, alone, for the very first time. It's me taking my first church, right after asking my father, do you think I'm ready? And him telling me, yes, you're ready. So each of us is carrying the spiritual coats of those who have poured into our lives. We carry their teachings, their wisdom, their guidance, and their endorsement. We have more confidence in ourselves to be successful because our mentors believed in us. I stretch people all the time around my church and I used to get a lot of pushback about it. But I've noticed lately I don't get as much pushback anymore from those people. Now you might ask why. I, I certainly do every once in a while. Why? Why in the world? They just they just trust me now. Well, it's because they've learned that I won't ask them to do something unless I truly believe they can do it because I see something in them they don't yet see in themselves. And mentors do that. They put confidence and endorsement into us. And if you don't have at least one mentor, you should be looking and praying for the right person right now. Now, here's the hard question. Are you putting your coat around someone else? Are you mentoring someone the way others have mentored you? Are you giving guidance and confidence and endorsement to others the way that others have done for you? Are you duplicating in others what has been duplicated in you? I really hope that that question that that set of questions, I really hope that they just just stick with you this week. I hope they, they're ones that you chew on and think about and that you you see opportunities. I hope that God stirs something up inside of you so that you can mentor someone else the way that others have poured into you and that you would duplicate yourself and grow the kingdom of God. God bless you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode. We'll see you next week. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us in New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.